Verms. 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 White worms. The white worms. That fucking that movie fucked me up, but like in the best way. Yeah, we finally watched Lair the White Worm last night. You know, if you were in the server, you'll know when we're recording you'll know. this. But holy <laughs> fuck, I haven't seen that movie since I was probably like nineteen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I you, did not remember how insane it was. You highly undersold that fucking movie. Yes. Because I was like, okay, there's some wankiness. So I was like, okay, I knew Hugh Grant was in it, but I was like, this looks like Kirkland's brand, Peter Picaldi. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it is Peter Capaldi. I'm so sorry, dude. Whoops. Just young Peter Capaldi is so smooth compared to old Peter Capaldi <laughs> that I just my brain did not like transfer the skull over. I, I would like to note that she doesn't mean smooth as in like he he's got the moves for the oh. ladies. Smooth as in the texture. Yeah, his skin much much more supple and youthful in his youth, shockingly. Uh, no, his riz count has risen over uh, the age. I would say he's probably more charming now than he was then, but So you're saying he didn't come out as a wrinkly old man, baby. Uh, no. Shockingly. I'm thinking about wrinkly old men babies now. Yeah, it's look, if you want to Benjamin Button yourself, that's on you, my guy. Well, that's a little different, I think. I think he he died smooth. <laughs> he died smooth, yeah. But he wasn't he was a wrinkly man baby. He, he was born baby raisin. Yeah. Died but, smooth. Yeah. What a weird movie. <laughs> it does? I vaguely okay. remember Benjamin Button coming out around the same time Shutter Island did. And I had watched them both at roughly the same time, but that was when I was in my peak drinking all of the time phase. They kind of slammed together into the same movie for me. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> I keep thinking that Leonardo DiCaprio is Benjamin Button. He could be. He could Do be. you think he's going to die smooth? Probably he's with... not. He's getting to not be so smooth already. Which is fine. Yeah. I just I mean, wish you cool. would stop dating 25-year-olds because he's like, what, fucking 50, almost 60 now? Like, bro, you got to really yeah. got to stop. Got to at least get back up to 30. And this fucking intro so far has been a goddamn nightmare. Yeah. Uh, but wish... hey. There it is. Hey, and welcome to Blank Bodies, a Vampire the Masquerade V5 tabletop horror and, yeah, tabletop uh, horror and podcast. Nailed it. That's your host, Hunter. <laughs> yeah, I'm Hunter. This guy right here is John. I, I'm Sarah. Hello. Hello, Sarah. Hello. Hi. We've made it to script episode. Hi. Hi. And now we're starting the topic for this week, so the fun ends. Oh, no. Time for some facts. <laughs> How dare you guys do this to me? Time for facts and logic. You um, wrote the script. I what did. do you mean? How did we do this to you? You, <laughs> you chose the to topic, you. wrote the paper, and are now presenting it to the class. How did you do this to me? <laughs> Why would you immediately just be like, all right, the fucking nerd's back. <laughs> this is a slightly spicy of a meatball, but I feel like it is important considering, unfortunately, the state of things in the world and media that we love. So we're just going to proceed on through. And the clan you guys chose next, hint, hint. Yeah, so, haha. Fun thing with uh, having uh, stories in games and media and movies and stories and media. in media and games and games there are movies too yes uh in media we use symbols to shorthand a lot of information between creators and an audience uh because of world of darkness and us being a vampire the masquerade podcast we talk about vampires a lot shocking i know wow well, i don't think i've ever <laughs> spoken about a vampire not once no not, you- not once have i mentioned a dracula not only have you mentioned them, you've been begging for their attention by inviting them on the show. You've literally invited in so many vampires. We've had to move. <laughs> we had to change locations. That was an imposter. Uh-huh. Are you dominated right now? No. Okay. 
That's no. what a dominated person he's would not say. Erect, I mean, yes. He's not erect enough for that. <laughs> True. Fair. So, yeah. Um, vampires, I don't know if people are aware of this, have been in stories for fucking centuries. Long ass time. Long ass time. And unfortunately, because of that, uh, there is some symbolism that isn't super fucking swell. So we're going to talk about it. One might call it not cool. It's not. Spicy. It's, it's a little spicy. It's a little not great, my guys. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, our goal with this uh, is to help educate people to avoid perpetuating harmful ideas, build better cultural context for within our storytelling, and create supports, ugh, create spaces that support our friends. And, you know, especially in the context of uh, the world that's on fire, I'm going to just gesture to the dumpster fire. We don't have to get into that. But let's not accidentally make it worse by playing silly games that spread bullshit. Yeah. So... Uh, the context of this will be mostly focusing on the cultural and ethnic themes within Western vampire media. Woo! Ha <laughs> ha! Sounds boring, I'm sorry. <laughs> Would I say it like that? Strap up, kids! Uh, We're going in! We're going in. It's not boring, it's just unfortunately I have written about this in an academic sense already, so, uh... This might be synthesizing some college papers I have written, and I guess if people want me to share those on the Patreon, I can. Ugh. Yeah, I can upload files to there. We can upload files. If you're looking for some college papers to read, we got the hookup. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, okay. So content warning, we are going to be discussing themes of xenophobia, colonialism, racism, anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, homophobia, sexism, uh, chattel slavery, murder, blood, disease, and child death. There's Boy. a couple things in there that mm. are not a great time. <laughs> Spicy meatballs. <laughs> As always, we will try and um, approach them with the utmost care. But if the topics are not to your liking or you get a little overwhelmed, feel free to take a break. Skip ahead. Skip out on this episode. I think it's a very important topic. But if you're not feeling it, you just need to be nice to yourself and say, I get it. Yeah, that's all good. Nah. Also, spoiler warning for... Uh, Four books and a movie that are a hundred plus years old. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna be pissed if I find something I didn't know about a book that I haven't read yet. Uh huh. I don't care how old it is. <laughs> Some got, people are I like that. I got real pissed when somebody told me Jesus died at the end. Oh shit! Well, saying. he comes back though. Do you? Do you have what? A, <laughs> do you have a list of these books and movies you're gonna be spoiling, or is, would that be giving away spoilers? Spoilers for the spoilers. Does the dog die at the end? I just uh, need to know what we're stepping into here. Ah, uh, well, um, I I have I have some sources, so we will proceed from there. Okay. So, the uh, the books that we're talking about is uh, the Vampire by John William Polidori, the Black Vampire: A Legend of Saint Domingo by Uriah Derek Darcy. That's a fucking deep pull. There's Carmilla by uh, Sheridan Le Fanu, uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, and then uh, <laughs> F.W. Murnau's Nosferatu. Okay. Nice. Those are the things we're talking about. They're all literally 100 plus years old, so like, mm. eh. Yeah. Do you ever have media that just gets so old that it goes back into spoiler territory because nobody's fucking read it? Yeah, I think that happens a lot, actually. Yeah, that's like, kind of where we're at with these. Like the Lair of the White Worm. Right. I don't oh, think God. anyone's picked that book up since it was written in 1911. <laughs> <laughs> we know what? We might have to do a dramatic reading of that story just because that movie was so fucking bananas. We could do an episode on that book if we get to this point where we do do 
episodes on books. We I think we should do Dracula first. Though. Oh, Dracula? Yeah, for sure. And probably Nosferatu. Nosferatu is based off of Dracula. Yeah, but it's it's different. I think there's a the movie's different enough that yeah. you could it could be its own oh, episode. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. All right. So the sources I have for this is uh there's Lemington Books website got some cool shit. Uh, haunted communities, the Greek vampire or the uncanny at the core of national construction, uh, repossessing the body, transgressive desire in the core of uh, Cam- Carmilla and Dracula, ContraPoints video on the West and opulence, Second Thoughts video on the myth of capitalist peace, Antouche's Dracula, Funnier Dies, How Cartoons Brainwash Us with Jewish Stereotypes, oh. and uh, Museum of Jewish History's The History of Antisemitism, Blood Libel. Yeah. So if you're wondering why Sarah's posting about blood libel in the Discord (laughs) about a week ago. Yeah, yeah. It's it it comes it comes around. It's a full cycle. Heyo. So we're gonna get down our trail of the sussy baka symbolism of Western vampire media. You know (laughs) that was a phrase I heard. That was, and I'm sorry I made you guys listen to that. Honestly, I I was kind of immune. I only partially heard it because I've seen it a thousand times, but here in the script it says meat of the episode. Mm-hmm. And like with the topics we've been talking about recently, it just has a different meaning. Because we are meat. Because we're meat. We are made out of meat. That is true. So John Williams Polidori's The Vampire. The fuck is it? It is a book written in 1860, 1816. Sorry. And is basically the OG original romantic vampire story. This is the big boy, not Dracula. This is the one, unfortunately, nobody remembers, though. So a excitement. It was actually written during the same summer vacation trip as uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Oh. So yeah, Polidori was hanging out with Mary Shelley and Lord Byron and all of them. Didn't they all basically write a whole book during that vacation? Yeah, they each wrote like different stories. And I think like three out of the five got published. This is one of them. Oh, That's nice. cool. So cool history thing. Uh, this story is said to have influenced uh, stories like Dracula, The Count of Monte Cristo, and The Black Vampire, which I'm giving a small highlight to. Because it's kind of amazing as a little historical note, especially in vampire media. Uh, the Black Vampire, A Legend of Saint Domingo, was published in 1819 by Uriah Derek Darcy, which is a pen name. And there's a lot of debate about who the actual author is. I didn't want to get into that because that's a whole fucking uh, wormhole of nonsense. And eh. But it's an interesting thing. Uh, this story is said to not only be the first story with a black vampire protagonist... It is the first vampire comedy in English language. It is also the first vampire story written by an American author. And it is one of the first stories about abolition. Interesting. Hmm. So, yeah, anybody who's like, vampire can't be funny. Can. It's it's literally always been funny. (laughs) It's literally always been funny. It's always been what we do in the shadows. Uh... And anybody's like, hey, I don't want my vampire things to have politics in it. I'm like, literally from the beginning, it's been about political allegory. It's been in the text. It doesn't have to be, but it's fucking it's there. there. It's you there. Can't say it's not. And, you know, everybody's just like, mm, black people can't be in goth. And I'm like, they've been here the whole time. <laughs> they've been here the whole time, guys. Just chill. It's cool. But yeah, moving on. There's also a fun fact that uh, <clears throat> the vampire antagonist going back to Polidori's vampire uh, the character of Lord Ruthven, who is a very lecherous and monstrous character, was based off of Lord Byron. Interesting. Because Polidori and Byron kind of had a thing. It's left a little in the subtext whether or not they were actually banging, but I think they probably were. Regardless, we do have some very uh, solid evidence that Lord Byron took advent- uh, took advantage of Polidori and swindled him out of a bunch of money. Ooh. So, and they kicked him out of the friend group. So, like, yeah, not a good guy. Byron's not a good dude. 
turns out. Turns out, shockingly, Lord Byron, <laughs> bit of a fuckboy. <laughs> Damn, I wish I would have known a thousand years ago. <laughs> a thousand years ago? A thousand years ago? I don't know. How long ago was that? It's like 18, 16, 18, 19. Yeah, a couple hundred years ago. <laughs> I was just say, going big for effect, but because yeah, okay. I, I didn't do the math in my head, I couldn't have known a thousand years ago. I guess. I mean, no, I guess he wouldn't have existed if you go that far back in time. It would technically be you being able to predict the future. That'd yeah. be pretty cool. Anyway, not on the Malkavian <laughs> no. episode anymore. No, we gotta gotta. We're trying to land you back into a plane of somewhat reality. Good luck. Right. Um. Yeah. So the character of Lord Ruthven, um, the way he's described in the book is very much the iconic, like, gay villain. Very dramatic, very charismatic, kind of a bisexual icon, apparently. Uh, this is a character that finds glee in destroying the lives of proper society ladies and manipulating earnest men. So it's just some swarthy guy that comes into town and... Uh, Fucks everybody's moms and then, you know, uh, ruins houses and just all sorts of fucked up shit. As you do. As you do. When you're a vampire, you know. I just don't know why you would want to manipulate Ernest P. Worrell like that. <laughs> I mean. Know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Vern? <sighs> Anyways. So uh, the connection with this uh, is the fact that Lord... That, that's a slow burn. I know. <laughs> made me mad. It does. <laughs> The, the connection with this into xenophobia is the fact that Lord Ruthven is half Greek. And the reason this matters, especially in the time period, um, I have to go a little bit further back in the time. So there is a Greek vampire called the Vrykolokos. Vrykolokos, I guess. This is a word I've read a thousand times and never said aloud. I'm sorry. <laughs> but this is one of the earliest uh, mythologies that is recorded of a vampire in Europe dating to about the 1500s. Whoa. Nice. That was quite a while ago. Right? Uh, yeah. Various stories of this creature became popular in the early 1600s into the 1700s. There was a big, like, vampire panic in Europe at this time. Is that when they were digging people up and, like, shoving yeah. stuff in their mouths? Yeah. Bricks in their mouths yeah, and staking them and whatnot? Yeah, there's, like, cases of, like, actual, like, courtly doctors being sent to, like, farm towns in the middle of nowhere and just being like, I have scientifically confirmed it's a vampire. And then they send their papers back to the court and it gets printed and recirculated as, like, science. This is very early science where people, like, don't understand how, like, tuberculosis or, like, how death works. Yeah. So it's a it's a little growing pains area in our world knowledge of things. It's also kind uh, of funny. It's a little funny. I mean, also, I feel like you some, you just kind of be a bit of a confidence man. You dig up a corpse, you're like, hey, yeah, shove some of that shit in its mouth. It's good now, guys. Rebury it. Solve <laughs> Don't the worry problem. about it's it. It's and fine. as long as everyone believes, the world just gets that much a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. Until they start being like, he's a vampire, burn him. <laughs> but yeah, well, Running... Shove some shit in his mouth, bury him, it'll be fine. <laughs> Hot. Uh, but running along that time period as well is also the start of the Enlightenment, or not the start of but during this Enlightenment period, there's also this refocus and restructure on neoclassicalism, which, you know, is where you get, uh, like, Thomas Paine, George Washington, and all that kind of stuff, uh, and a refocus on, like, ancient Greek things and, you know, uh, Western, like, this is where the foundations of the understanding of what Western society is. Which causes places like Greece to be in a weird spot because uh, 
while in the conceptualization in the Enlightenment period of like, hey, Greece is like the center of democracy and Enlightenment thought and philosophy and theater and all this shit. In the current timeline of like 1700s, 1800s Greece, it is like a place run by the Ottoman Empire. So it's substantially like a Muslim country. And then the Christians that are there tend to practice like Eastern Orthodox Christianity, which is weird. Hmm. So you end up with a place that has this like otherness and weirdness because it's in with like the Baltic countries. Right. But it's having to square itself with the fact that it's like also the seat of the concept of like what enlightened Europe is and civilization is. Small quote that I thought would be kind of interesting. Uh, Who would believe that we derive the idea of vampires from Greece? Not from the Greece of Alexander, Aristotle, Plato, Epicurus, and Democenthes, but from Christian Greece, unfortunately schismatic, which was written by Voltaire. Nice. Just him being like, ugh. <laughs> That's rough. He's like, oh yeah, we have all these great enlightened ideas, but then you go to Greece now and it's just, ugh, peasants. <laughs> like, literally, that was the idea. It was so, it's so fucking wild to read about that shit. Or they're just like, oh, they're on... <sighs> Just, they're not, they're not, they're not white. They're Greek. They're Greek. Ugh. Ugh. Or they're from the Balkans or ugh, they're Romanian. Ugh. <laughs> just any kind of vague swarth. They're just like they're not, not cool. ha- absolutely not having it. Voltaire, you silly guy. You silly goose. I think that goes a little beyond <laughs> silly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like actually you racist. You fucking idiot. <laughs> you fucking asshole. I don't you... know how that guy's still allowed to do like apartment decorating videos and stuff. <laughs> No, that Voltaire is a sweetie. No. Oh, I was thinking the 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 goth acoustic uh like singer. Mm-hmm. You know who I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah, yeah. The novel The Vampire brings to readers the terror of not only miscegenation because you know Ruthven's half Greek. He's not like fully like he's rich, but he's not like one of us because he's not from good breeding. Ugh. Uh, but also the uncanniness of the bedrock of Western c- civilization and reason. Uh, the identity crisis uh, brings to bear the fragility of having to square the ideas of uh, a nation and the realities of being a nation uh, from the form of like self-colonization. So it's just like, oh, uh, basically uh, Greece uh, during this time, because this is also like right before the Greek Revolution, which Lord Byron actually participates in, like in a couple of decades after this. Huh where Greece is trying to separate itself from the Ottoman Empire, and part of them is having to, as a nation, square the idea of, you know, the we we have all this cool, like, uh, history stuff, and we're badass, but also, like, we, we have all these current ideas, and we have all these, like, cultures and spices and different ways of doing things than the rest of Europe, and having to, you know, square that shit, <laughs> which parts of Greece are still, apparently, still having to deal with, where they're just like, we're European, but, like, really not, and... Eh. They do have a lot of cool spices there, though. They do. Greek food slabs. Yes. It's also a very pretty place. Like, every photo I've seen of Greece, I'm just like, this looks amazing. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's that's kind of, like, the, one of the first, like, iconic novels of a vampire is just, like, some swarthy guy from out of the country comes in, fucks your sister, ruins your life, maybe tricks you into giving him a blow in the back alley, and then... Uh, turns ki- into bats. Yeah, it turns into bat, tricks you, kills your lover... Uh, basically gets you to kill yourself and then, like, ruins your sister. It's like, fucking, like, what? That's crazy. <laughs> but then he turns into bats. Well, he fakes his own death and then comes back in a disguise. Oh. And then, like, fucks his sister. Huh. Where he's like, I was, you know, the whole, like, old man Jenkins. But it's like, <gasps> Lord Ruthven, no! <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, it's it's the terror of just Europeans having to be like, but are we really? Mm. Are we really European? Like, are we? It's the, the, the constant fear that a lot of white people have about, like, I can't handle other cultures and things. Like, we are the best, not you. No. And then 
being afraid of other people coming in and like taking your shit. Gotcha. It's like when everyone was doing 23 and me and people like, oh my God, I'm Italian. This changes everything. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Carmilla. Hell yeah. Yeah. So this one is published in 1872 and it is a lesbian gothic horror novel. You know, good for her. Yeah, good for her. Uh, the there is a fun note about uh this story because especially for the time period, uh, the lesbian overtones in the novel are generally accepted as like morally neutral. Huh. I would have and assumed even, different than that. Yeah, even somewhat positive towards lesbianism and feminism. Cool. Because like, there's story portions of the story where the male characters are just very incompetent. And uh, it's the protagonist having to like piece together the clues and be like, oh, I've solved it. I've solved the problem. But then the menfolk are like, hey, well, we're going to go fight the demon monster because you're a lady and we can't have you doing that. But they are just like not. They able- fuck it up. They keep fucking up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of true of Dracula, too, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a theme with a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> stories where it's just like the men's be fucking up but then they get the axe at the end and kind of win the story yeah <laughs> you know uh <laughs> so the story's not pro or anti-men it's more pro axe is what you're saying yeah well it's well really if you have an axe yeah in most situations you're gonna win at whatever you're doing that's true yeah but it's one of those like reading through it the the scenes between uh the protagonist girl and Carmilla I'm forgetting the name of the protagonist girl but anyways uh their their scenes are very like ooh they're roommates kind of things and there's a lot of descriptions of uh longing and wanting to be together and like having prophetic dreams of having met this most gorgeous woman that she ends up meeting like 3 nights later and she's like oh, I saw you in my dreams mm. which is very like lesbian fanfic that I've read before on AO3 where I'm like ah yes <laughs> which one of you is the plant gay and which one of you carries way too many bags back from the car to the house <laughs> i lost my train of thought yeah i'm not gonna get into a lot of the story beats on carmilla because a lot of the story beats carry over into dracula so it's like eh, you know it's weird everyone's like dracula the vampire story and i'm like there were stories way before that dracula curbed a lot from a lot it did it's not a bad book. I thoroughly enjoy it, but we're not quite there yet. Uh, the uh, story for Carmilla, though, does carry over a lot of the anxiety and fear of Eastern cultures, because apparently Austria is too exotic. The story happens in Austria. They, they talk kind of funny. They talk kind of funny. You can't trust that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this does bring to the point of what even is the West? Uh, I know. I got, I know. But... Uh, to bullet point a lot of information very quickly, because this is, could be its own fucking rant, and we don't have that kind of time. There's no real, actually tangible, the West, historically. It's more of a vague concept that often contradicts itself and changes a lot over time. I'm pretty sure I've heard literally everything mm-hmm. except, like, China and Japan area been called the West mm-hmm. from some lens. Yeah. <laughs> the Western world is everything but China at this point <laughs> even japan i think is westernized uh, in some in viewpoints some yeah it's it's a very big broad topic i am not at this point qualified or have done enough research to really get into the nitty-gritty of that and we don't quite need that for this discussion but what we do need is just to have a rough framework understanding of this so uh a lot of our concepts of the west is based on some of the earliest concepts of christendom those both kind of end up being very synonymous with each other, especially in the context of Christians versus literally everyone else. Like when you get into really early uh, legal paperwork for, uh, you know, early colonization and exp- explorations, the way that things are worded as 
you are an agent of God and the state, and you are being sent out into these uh, uncivilized savage lands to claim them for whatever crown. And the Pope said it was cool because they are not Christians. So it's it's icky and gross and weird. But, you know, we're going to take that nugget and continue on into the Enlightenment period, uh, where that uh, concept of rationality and all that gets tacked on. So you have this weird mix of uh, prestige and Eurocentricism also being... Uh, thwacked on with this like religious supremacy at the same time so it gets really weird because you get situations like this novel where these people in austria are going to be christian but because they maybe don't have as ex as much access to uh technology and schooling as people might have in paris or london they're not civilized enough so are they really european mm, okay. they're superstitious and rabbles and peasants more of that <laughs> So eh, that's where the contradictions and kind of squickness kind of kicks in. Mm-hmm. And you hear that kind of talk a lot. Unfortunately, I was listening to an old episode of uh, Coast to Coast with Art Bell recently. Mm-hmm. It's from like 1996. And him and his guests were talking about Russia that way. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh, they're all superstitious and weird mm-hmm. there. Hmm. But yeah, the, the that kind of uh, the Enlightenment con- concepts of like Eurocentrism gets tacked on with colonialist thought. And that does carry on over into... Uh, the 1800s and 1900s with the rise of like labor movements and anarchist and communist movements because those ideas tend to have gotten more popular in like working class or immigrants or uh, Slavic areas. So those ideologies kind of get carried over from like, oh, you're not part of the West because you're not capitalist. So it turns from Christendom and then Enlightenment areas to like economics a little bit so you have the capitalist west versus like the communist east yeah that's that that's exactly what they're yeah. talking about um in that art bell episode where i believe they're saying like moscow fell communism's over i've been able to visit mm-hmm. but they're all so superstitious and strange there it's very are they really capitalists <laughs> like was kind of the conversation they were having and it they was don't like, like to walk under ladders because it's superstitious they can't be western they can't be capitalist no, they don't just, like it when black cats walk in front of them just like uh, their churches have colors <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> so yeah that's having these understandings of western lenses being either focused through like christendom the enlightenment or like capitalism understanding that kind of understands where people get these like squick ideas of like oh this the vampire characters are foreign invaders from like greece or turkey or romania or the balkans or even some stories i've seen where it's like irish vampires because you know ireland historically has been like it's western but is it really is it uh that's also i think you can project that to today mm-hmm. where when you hear a lot of especially conservative figures talk about the western western ideology mm-hmm. they nowadays it kind of has a strange connotation and combination of the three where they're almost always meaning christian capitalism and sometimes these even if they're not aware of it i think a lot of these enlightenment ideas sneak in still too just because they're pulling from historical readers and stuff that to where if you hear someone talking about like oh we must protect western ideology they mean christianity capitalism and like there's this vague like spooky enlightenment yeah well the weird the weird gross overall gross kind of ideology that kind of connects all of these amorphous ideas unfortunately is whiteness yay yay Because, yeah, you get in, uh, like, the vampire and Carmilla, these, like, it's a upper middle class 
kind of rich white character that is the exemplar of like a good person in society. And then they meet some swarthy whoever the fuck that is from this like Eastern country. And it's specifically a corrupting force. Yes. And they are a danger. And yeah, it's very just like a <laughs> collar pulling moment of like, that's icky. Speaking of icky, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, no, actually a good novel still holds up. But anyways, uh, it was published in 1897. This is the classic fucking vampire movie. Book. Book. It's a book, becomes a movie. Anyways. There's a stage play. There's a ballet. There's musicals, action, it's fucking comics. Comic oh my God. If you can see a ballet version of it, the one I saw was really cool. I've seen, I, is it the Russian I one? I could imagine that. Um, It was a local company. That oh did shit. It, but... That sounds cool. Hell yeah. I've just seen a big one recently that was done in Russia that's been going circling online and it's very like, the guys who designed the costumes in the set clearly read Vampire Hunter D is the aesthetics uh, and it's very nice. Yeah. It's very cool. But yeah. Uh, uh, the portion of Dracula we're going to talk about in this context, because Dracula covers a lot of things, is uh, the anxiety of reverse colonialism. Hooray. Huh. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, as we know, capitalism kind of sucks in lots of regards. Uh, it was spread through the world through the European state war and imperialism. Hooray. As they do. As they do. Uh, little side note, remember from uh, the Anarch episode with Crash Course, should be episode 13, uh, Power is the ability to change another person's ability to act or make choices. And violence is the total or partial removal of another person's choice through force. So while the idea of capitalism and its constructs as we know it today seems like it's like, oh, it's just money. We're just doing trade. Da, da, da. Pretty much all of these concepts were spread through force through the vector of colonialism. That's just fucking historical fact. And you kind of need to understand that to understand where some of these social anxieties kicked in in Victorian England and why a novel like Dracula got as popular as it did and why portions of vampire media might be getting popular again today. Hmm. Hooray. Good times. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Once uh, uh, these markets and uh, colonial powers had spread to literally everywhere, like we've covered the planet, we've conquered everything. You know, the sun does not set on the British Empire kind of bullshit. The market still demands expansion because it requires infinite growth to maintain profits and da 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 da. So to do that, once that market is quote unquote saturated, the violence gets turned basically to other uh, European uh, vectors. So instead of various countries doing land grabs into other places and grabbing exotic, quote unquote, exotic or savage lands, they're just like, ah, well, now we're going to have a series of proxy wars and or be fighting each other. Yay. Yay. <laughs> so that's exactly what you want, right? That is exactly what you want. There is no reflections about that from then to now. Nope. Not at all. Can't, can't see Not it. Not at all. So in the context of Dracula, there was a period called the Long Depression, which happened between 1873 and 1896, where the British economy was shit. It's almost like they took over everything and they couldn't keep expanding their markets and then everything kind of collapsed in on itself a little bit. Hmm. I wonder what that's like. I wonder what that's like. <laughs> so uh, with that context in mind for the background of the novel, uh, you get into some really squicky descriptions about things in the novel. One of the squeakiest is getting into the concept of the darkest London. So uh, Dracula, when he first shows up in London, settles in the East End. It was referred to back then as Darkest London, not just because it was full of poor people, like this is where Jack the Ripper did his shit. This is also the part of London where all of the immigrants and the poors would be, particularly Eastern European and Jewish communities. 
Yeah. Hooray. You know, uh huh. I've seen enough history to know where this is going. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, it's it's mm, history's a flat circle. Uh but yeah, so the East End is a portion of the city that uh due to it being an impoverished neighborhood also got uh tied in with being in as an area known for vice and uh poverty and like prostitution and doing drugs and we have no idea what that's like in these days. Seems pretty cool to me. <laughs> I've never done drugs. I've not once. I've never, ever once in my life done a marijuana. Or a beer. Never, never a beer. Never once never... a prostitution entered my body. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Amazing. Entered your body. So. <laughs> hey. Ayo. Uh, so, uh, symbolically, you have Dracula as a foreign invader from the east coming into a civilized city. He's settling initially in an area that is known for having immigrants and being a font of vice. And <sighs> this is ugh, gross. This is a place of like good fucking time. Corruption right? and disease and uh, all sorts of problems. Uh, and you also get this uh, mixed in symbolization of. Since Dracula is a character of uh, bestial instincts, that's getting tied in with that neighborhood as well. And you're also getting this uh, social anxiety of quote unquote civilized people being afraid of a barbaric past coming back to haunt them. Because Dracula uses barbaric and old magics and tactics and is a brute and... We would never do that here. Not anymore. <laughs> nope. Well, well, not here. Not here. Maybe over there. Maybe over there. It's fine over there if it's in my yard. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Which is juxtaposed with, you know, the West End, which is where all of the nice parts of town are. And this is a hub of culture, technology, and the government, which you get into some interesting stuff because the... Uh, the, the human team in Dracula is using all sorts of like what's high tech for their time period. So like phonographic recordings, typewriters, blood transfusions. That's like cutting edge. That's the cyber truck <laughs> of the 1890s. <laughs> that's chat GBT for them. Uh, yeah. So there's that side of it. And then as Dracula's plotting happens in London, he expands from the East End into the West End and starts buying property there. And he's also spotted walking around in Piccadilly, which is right next to Buckingham Palace. He's so close to the Queen, you guys. Oh, no. Oh, no. How dare this swarthy guy from Romania. <laughs> It's really funny to think like how terrified random Europeans get about just like uh, each other. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I, my neighbor three doors down, he's so frightening. That that would be like if I got like a little racist and uncomfortable when I met someone from Philadelphia. Exactly. I mean, like, I don't trust Philadelphia. For, for Americans, it's very silly to be like, I, it's like, I don't like the politics in other states, but it would be weird for me to just be like, oh, I can't trust that man. He's from Montana. This is why you don't deal with Texans. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. So for us, it's very just like, what the f Okay, cool. Y'all are just like right next to each other, but like, cool. Uh, but we also don't have the hundreds of years of history of murdering each other over 20 feet yeah. of land. So, you know. <laughs> this is my 20 feet. Yeah. So that's like the, the kind of the xenophobic end of uh, Dracula is just a guy who gets described in not culturally nice ways as being an existential threat to the sanctity and safety of the cultured and civilized people to the point where he's like symbolically like a hair's breadth away from being a threat to the actual like government institution of the British Empire is just like a buddy you were not subtle mm -hmm. speaking of not subtle F.W. Marnhouse Nosferatu <laughs> oh 
So, uh, as we all know, this movie was released in 1922. It is a German expressionist silent horror movie. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Uh, The plot is basically the plot of Dracula. So we're not going to get into that too, too much. But You want to know how many times I watched Nosferatu before I watched all of it? Mm. Like 12. (laughs) (laughs) Because I always made the mistake of having like hanging out with friends and staying over at somebody's house and being like, all right, it's midnight. Let's watch some Nosferatu. Don't make it all the way through. That movie's got some real slow parts and the soundtrack gets real sleepy. Exactly. You got to get the edit where it's like the German industrial band doing it though. (sighs) That'd be awesome. I'd say try and watch the original first if you can. Oh yeah. It's literally on YouTube. Oh yeah. I think it's on our YouTube. You can actually download the original. The thing is, Nosferatu is now in the public domain, so you can literally go to the Internet Archive and just download it. Cool. So, nice. hell yeah. But yeah, we it got to the point that we were like, no one's ever finished Nosferatu. <laughs> there are rumors that if you finish Nosferatu, you die. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, <laughs> I guess I'm dead. <laughs> uh, Me too now. Mm-hmm. So what is, what's the problem with Count Orlock, our, be- our, our, our fucking goth icon bat boy with the long nails? We've all seen the gifts and the clips and the videos. And, uh. So getting into that, this is where we're going to get into the uncomfies. Because um, we haven't been there yet. Uh, it's getting more uncomfy. So historically, anti-Semitism uh, existed in kind of localized rumors and tales. Unfortunately, these rumors and tales would get written down and these cut like textual copies of these rumors and tales have a problem once they get introduced as a authoritative text because the majority of historical cases of anti-semitism uh had a political bent usually being done as a means to gain political power whether that is just snatching property to get you know economic gains politically building political power in your area where you're just like ah well if i escape this goat this community i can expand a vector of my uh control in the government not that we have any idea what that's like now (laughs) and then there's also this fascinating and by fascinating it's horrifying but it's fascinating practice of uh the catholic church historically creating holy shrines based around dead kids oh because yeah unfortunately children die sometimes it's unfortunate Uh, they're also made of meat yes they are and a quick way for a regional like bishop to gain more power in his area is to have a holy shrine of some sort. And so what better way to dedicate a holy shrine than to find a martyred child? Hmm. And the best way to get a child to get canonized as a martyred saint for God is if he got murdered by Jews. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. So then you start either organizing it to happen or just saying it happened. Well, yeah, because it wouldn't. It wasn't uncommon if a child like wandered away from the house during the winter and died, and then you know the spring thaws, and then you find the body. Yeah. Or you know people would get diseases and die, and people wouldn't understand. This was also wild times in the Middle Ages, where just a wolf would just snatch a kid. Yeah. Fucking horrifying, but that shit would just happen, or you know, God knows what the fuck else. But you could use these uh, rumors of like blood libels that ah, it's not little Jimmy got away from the house, died of exposure. We couldn't find his body until like the spring planting cr- times. It was no, clearly, uh, <laughs> the the local jewelry did a secret cabal meeting to sacrifice their child. Oh, yeah. So therefore, the child died in the name of Jesus, so therefore I can have my holy site. It's just, uh, right? It's awful. It's so dumb. 
also, I just can't imagine what it's like. Imagine if you're a young boy mm-hmm. and you get snatched up by wolves and unfortunately pass. But then you get into like the special VIP martyr section of heaven because someone built a holy <laughs> site to you based on a lie. Right. And, like, do you have to pretend that like, no, it was told I was totally kidnapped. Does the kid retroactively have to go along with the lie or do the, do the kids in heaven go, look, man, I I didn't choose this. Or is he like a poser? It's like he's allowed in the martyr section, but everyone's like, he's he just wolves, man. He's just, just wolves, man. Like, I mean, you're clearly a, a holy child of God, and you, what happened to you was tragic, and I don't care that you're like, you're in heaven, but like, I don't think you get the special hat. Yeah. I, something to keep in mind for your Wraith game, I guess. But... <laughs> <laughs> something to keep in mind. Oh, God. Okay. So. Have a conversation with your group about that. <laughs> yes, that is a session zero discussion. So if a child gets eaten by a wolf, <laughs> is he still a martyr to God? But uh, yeah, so now that we've gotten into the uh, social political beginnings of why these things are problems, what the fuck is a blood libel? Because, you know, this is internet conspiracies. We hear about this shit. What the fuck is it actually? So this stems from a middle age, middle ages, not middle aged. Unfortunately, it is very middle aged now. But anyway, it's a middle ages conspiracy that Christian children were being killed to reenact the crucifixion. This conspiracy theory has changed over time to include the killing of Christians to obtain their blood. That's what blood libel is. It is like one of the oldest conspiracy theories. Uh, one of the most. Would, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Would the uh, fuck? I'm blanking on it. God mm-hmm. damn it. The they they drain it. They drain it. You can't see the quotes, everybody. Um, from from babies' spinal fluids. Mm-hmm. And adrenochrome. Yeah. Is that like the newest version of that? Kind of. Yeah. yeah. Basically. Okay. Yep. It's actually not that new. That's a weirdly older Chris- conspiracy yeah. than you think. Yeah. Oh, really? Um, mm-hmm. Like, even Hunter S. Thompson had mentions of it in his writing at some point. It's kind of an older huh. conspiracy theory, but... Yeah, I mean, newer in the concept of, like, it's within the past hundred years. Yeah, can I mean, compared to, like, the wolf children yeah. that we were talking about earlier, newer, but, like, yeah. it's not, a lot of people think, like, oh, that's, like, a Trump-era conspiracy, and yeah. it's one that's oh. been around for a very long time. Yeah, yeah, it's been around for several decades, but, uh, yeah, so one of the earliest, uh, or earliest and most famous uh, cases of this is the Holy Child of LaGuardia in, during the 1490s Inquisition. Oh. Yeah, like, that's, that we have a lot of documentation for this, but basically a child was murdered, or, no, the conspiracy theory is a child was murdered, and was this murder was done along with a dark ritual, and the plan was to kill all of the Christians in Spain. That's what the conspiracy theory was about this court case. Um, when the case was investigated, uh, <laughs> there was no dead child. Like, none. None. <laughs> What? Yeah, it's it's fucking. I I don't have the time to get into it right now, but it's fucking wild of just like these crazy accusations and uh just the amount of suffering and people being harmed uh during the Inquisition, particularly the Jewish community during the Inquisition. There's Mel Brooks does a whole song about it. Uh, and just founded on fucking nothing. So these people, he said, she said their way into a non-existent dead child. Yeah, and then they use that non-existent dead child to uh, imprison and torture and then expel the Jewish community from Spain. God damn. Yeah, it's so fucking So they kind wild. of did exactly what they said the Jewish community was doing to the Jewish community. Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, it's fucking wild. Uh, I did want to make a note that the focus of the supposed crimes shifts over the centuries instead of focusing so much on uh 
they're attacking us because we're Christian. It shifts to they're attacking us because it's brutal and cruel. And this is just a barbaric act to be doing because they're uncivilized. Mm. And this shift tends to follow as oh, quote unquote Western society becomes more secularized. So instead of, you know, the Borat, you know, the, the, the Jews have horns yeah. <laughs> kind of silliness to now it kind of shifts into, uh, you know, the, the protocols of elders of Zion. And then you get into like cultural Marxism, cultural Bolshevism, and then also some weird lizard people, alien kind of stuff also over time gets thrown in yeah, which is where we get the adrenochrome and all that bullshit the alien stuff is specifically very american though those sightings have existed for a long time a lot in the u.s specifically a lot of former conspiracies were turned mm -hmm. into alien conspiracies yeah. um american folklore is very alien ufo hit heavy so just an interesting note there that a lot of times when people say like reptilians and stuff they're maybe just referring to some very old racist conspiracies that used to not say aliens. They used to say a type of person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a whole thing. But yeah, so the act of uh, reporting an inaccurate account gives it authority through the act of reification. So uh, in our common way of understanding that now is, oh, no, dude, this totally happened. I read this post online. I saw it on Reddit. I saw it on Facebook. We because, all have an yeah. uncle or a mom or yeah. a grandpa who's, who's like this daily. Yeah. So because an account is written down and documented, it gives it a weight of authority. And then taking that written document and re-posting uh, it or re-sharing it or reprinting it gives it more authority. And this cycle will continue until it becomes kind of embedded into mainstream and conscious thought. Yeah, We're recording this on a hol holiday <laughs> weekend. I literally early earlier today had to, my friend texted me and asked me to call him. So that I could talk to him long enough to get him out of a situation where his father was trying to get him to watch a three-hour YouTube video um, about how Biden is killing Christian FBI agents. Oh my god. <laughs> what? No. Fucking wild. Biden's Catholic. He's Christian. What the fuck? Catholics aren't Christian. Listen, someone made a three-hour YouTube video about it. By the end of it, you will believe. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's reification. Like, yeah. yeah. So uh, that's kind of how we have we deal with it now. But this has always been going on for all of human history. It's just back in the day, it was slower because you either had to pay a scribe in a temple to tr literally transcribe the words onto like vellum with a quill. And then uh, these cycles of propaganda would get sped up with the advent of the printing press of so people would get pamphlets. And books and zines and papers and children's books and cartoons. And this would kind of snowball in itself constantly. And a lot of uh, particularly anti-Semitic, also some xenophobic ideas would be more of a top. So you start with these like top-down pushes of ideas in the media. And then they get spread and ex as accepted as just like, yeah, that's just how it is. Because that's just the media landscape everybody exists in. And a lot of these images are just so embedded, particularly in Western culture, that a lot of people don't see it anymore at all it's just such a common thing that we're just we don't read it as like oh this is actually a problem so that's uh kind of where we are with uh when we get up to where nosferatu is with count orlock and the way he's depicted so in terms of uh uh media symbolism <laughs> let me know if any of these anti-semitic tropes tick a bell for our poor count orlock which is a hunched back a hooked nose, long ears, small eyes, often depicted dirty and diseased, either sickly, overly gaunt, infested with pests or plague, bodily form not aligning with a quote-unquote classical 
physique. So, you know, the Roman Adonis sculpture. Long uh, and gangly. Long, gangly, just the uh, use of disguise or deceit. <laughs> he literally puts on a little costume in the movie. Look, mm-hmm. I'm just going to say this real quick. Mm-hmm. So far, mm-hmm. this description sounds like somebody I'd hang out with. I know, right? It sounds like something that would show up, <laughs> someone that would show up to a cookout that we hosted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. John <laughs> yes. do be hanging out with the kind of guys who's got a disease and then it'd be like, hey, you want to see my rat? <laughs> and, you're like, and then pull it out of their pocket, but you're like at a restaurant. It's just like, you can't have, you can't have Gabriel on the table like that, man. <laughs> uh, but yes, it continues, unfortunately. Oh, so no. we also have ties with money, blood, and consumption. Mm-hmm. Uh, in uh, depictions of anti-Semitic propaganda, you'll see like literal depictions of gold and or blood in the hand or as part of the environment being seen to eat money, labor, or flesh, seen drinking blood, uh, the figure being overly flat, fat or bloated due to so much consumption, mm. uh, imagery becoming demonic, occultic, or symbolic, uh, this tying back into old ideas of, you know, ritualized blood libel because, you know, they killed our god. Please martyr this child so that I can have a temple, please. Because I got to make that bank. I want the money. <laughs> yeah. So these uh, depictions, yeah. unfortunately, uh, have been in... You could see these for free in public domain images for fucking centuries. These descriptions have been thrown on onto uh, Jewish characters specifically as making them the bad guys. And this has become such a common thing that these descriptions have just become our accepted idea of what a bad guy looks like. So much so that even today, as if you didn't have enough reasons to dislike the woman, um, these same tropes apply to the banking goblins in Harry Potter, for Mm -hmm. instance. If you're of our generation, I'm sure you've been forced to be exposed to at least something from the series, but... Yeah, there's also like Peter Pettigrew, like the little rat man, who's like shifty and uses disguises and yeah. Uh, eh. It's like, eh. I'm not saying your bad guys can't be any one of these, but when they're all stacked on top of each other and you're like, that's my bad guy. I'm like, mm, are you sure? Are you sure about that, man? Are you sure? <laughs> like, hmm, little, little concerning. I have some questions. Not the same level, but similar mm. to the, who was it? Macklemore? Mm. Like debacle where he was doing the uh, he thrift wore... shop and he just had like the exact outfit from like Nazi propaganda. Yeah. Too. With the pointed nose and the hat. And he's like, this is just what we found at, the, at in the prop department. Yeah. It's like, I don't. Yeah, but also you need to have the media savvy to know to not put those all on at the same time. Right. <laughs> and having those all at the same time, unfortunately in Count Orlock we have a wealthy consumer of blood, a sickly figure with a hooked nose, big ears, wears disguises, comes from the barbaric quote unquote East to infect the purity of civilized society through the conquest of white women and property, property acquisition. Literally is just like, I'm a, I have a fucking, I have so much money and occultic power and I'm going to come here and steal your wife and fuck your mom and take your house. Yeah, goals, man. Right. <laughs> and that is the first popular just dis- like depiction of a vampire in film, and that is the depiction that has carried through all of the media since then. Yeah. It's crazy to me how often you see these tropes until you're really looking for them. Mm-hmm. Because it has become such like a standard that I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of times like I said with Harry Potter, like they made like 14 of those fucking movies or whatever and those goblins <laughs> are in all of them pretty much. Yeah, and you're just like <laughs> oh no. I think the thing that squicks me out the most about that is like as a kid, mm-hmm. you don't know and so you start to just accept it. Yeah. You're like, oh yeah, the goblins are like 
stingy and they got big noses haha yeah it's not until later in life that you're like wait a second fuck oh no (laughs) actually um actually i have a note on that i Mm. don't know if you have this in the script or not about why the jewish people are specifically so closely tied to banking oh I know why. Yeah, but... I, do, I was like, if you want to say, go for it. I do know, but go um, So maybe correct me if I don't have all my data because I didn't research this. Mm-hmm. But from my understanding, um, one of those things that as Christians seem to have forgotten about was at one point it was considered a sin to loan money to another Christian and charge interest. Mm-hmm. In- interest in general is seen as a sin. Therefore, it was very hard for a Christian to run any sort of bank because it was near impossible for them to actually make money. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, being not allowed in any other workers' unions or guilds at the time, um, many Jewish families turned to opening banks because it wasn't a sin for them. It was something that the Christians could not do without committing a sin and most communities needed. Mm -hmm. And so the Jewish community became very closely tied to um the banking system yeah and then when you get into uh with colonial and european expansion you got a lot of trade starting to happen so people are having to like take out loans for these expeditions or to start trading ventures they're having to like uh exchange currencies or they're you know they're bringing back a bunch of goods and all that kind of shit so you know you need banking and shit so these communities ended up making a fuckload of money and they started rising above where their quote-unquote proper place in society is and then shockingly pogroms started happening weird huh huh weird uh it's not like that happens with tons of minority communities all the time still to this day where if you step out of what your socially acceptable places somehow people come over and they're just fucking mad at you hmm Hmm. couldn't imagine how could not imagine what that's like that's weird yeah so why does this matter why are we bothering to talk about this like uh in listening to the uh the the lecture series from the Jew- the Jewish Heritage Museum that I cited earlier they brought up a really good point which i think is something that goes along with stuff we've been saying in the show which is uh leadership matters and so that uh action reaction and for information greatly affects how conspiracy theories and hatred flourish so places that are lacking cultural connection and interaction are more likely to make outrageous claims and also to enact violent actions in retaliation and if you pair that with a massive social anxiety stemming from a sense of loss of power within a majority culture, that kind of sets a system up for there to be uh, a not great situation. <laughs> uh, there is a lot of noted, uh, particularly right-wing populism that tends to cloak itself in a veneer of anti-capitalism manifesting in attacks against minority groups as opposed to challenging the actual system. And it's kind of at an era we're in right now. Unfortunately, there's a lot of economic anxiety there's a lot of social anxiety about how things are going to be structured and there's a lot of transitions there's a lot of new technology understandably people are stressed unfortunately there are a lot of people that instead of realizing money's made up and we just kind of can change the rules it doesn't fucking matter instead they would rather they find it better for them to blame minority communities for these problems and to act against them Uh, and we're also seeing the opposite too unfortunately Mm. where some of these like recent um tragedies have been committed by non-white peoples and Mm -hmm. um an argument for that i've seen is that we've given the left has lost so much voice in this country and people can no are so cemented into the form of capitalism that we have now Mm -hmm. that no one can imagine any other possible options to the point where even people from these minority uh groups are choosing like white 
supremacy and fascism Mm -hmm. as the only possible alternative. And so they're striking out against their own communities or the community around them in the name of whiteness instead of... Actually fixing the core problem. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. It's not a good time. So with that understanding in mind, uh, the little bit that we can do with each other and to help our neighbors and our homies out is if we're establishing game spaces and storytelling cultures that educate and entertain based on cooperation, respect, and sharing from primary sources... We can help to reduce harm and create a new baseline of uh, media understanding. That's the overall goal. It was like, hey, uh, you might not be able to be in the writer's room. I know there's the big WGA strike, which is, I think, cool and good. Oh, yeah. We Keep talk up, about boys. that. We've been talking about that a little bit on Confession Cam. Oh, hell yeah. Um, just because that's my other show about reality TV. And last time we had a big writer strike. Mm-hmm. Um, was when reality TV really boomed for the first time and kind of took over mm-hmm. because it's the only one of the only types of show that you can make without a writer because there's just camera filming people. And so we've been positing that we're going to see another really big reality TV boom <sighs> coming up. So I'm looking forward to that. God, fucking damn it. I mean, there's... how many of us actually watch real television anyway? No, I but... know. But just... I mean, but it's harmful regardless. It's yeah. one of those, I don't, I don't watch television like traditionally, but so many people still do or streaming services can offer uh, shows like that to such a wide audience that even though I don't consume that media, it exists in my media landscape. So I have to fucking deal with it. Like, I don't give a fuck about the real Housewives of New York or whatever, but I'm aware of that show because people won't shut the fuck up about it. That's fair. Yeah. I unfortunately choose to do this to myself. <laughs> you do. You made that choice, and that's fine. And I, good. I went with the funniest option <laughs> in my life. Yeah. Which was to say, yes, let's yeah. do it. That's fair. You usually make the funny choice, and I appreciate you for that. But now I know a lot about MILFs. Hell yeah. But well, that some also, specific ones. Yes. But <laughs> that, that echoes kind of yeah. what the, the these authors were pointing out, which is uh, being able to, in small ways, uh, adjust and uh make space for differing voices or just being like hey maybe don't do that that will compound upon itself over time so like while you might feel powerless because of the overall systems you're like you don't have wb money you can't control uh what the fuck the disney is doing (laughs) i dare say its name (laughs) on this podcast we've said it only once it's okay it's okay i i have spent most of my life especially as an edgy punk teenager Mm -hmm. hating that corporation but now i don't know whose side to be on politics have gotten into a strange location where i'm like go mouse eat the desantis right (laughs) i was just like i don't like this uh it's weird but you can at least amongst like your friends and coworkers and other people you interact with and uh the kind of memes that you post online and the videos you interact with it does matter and it does matter the stories that you're telling to yourselves and with each other and understanding the stories being told to you and where they're coming from and what they mean so uh be aware of it i'm not saying don't engage with this shit obviously like we are doing a fucking vampire podcast i'm not saying don't do vampire media in fact do vampire we do yeah actually what we should do yeah what we should do is take these stories and go okay i see the harmful ties in in previous books what if we just don't do it that or, or we transfer it to something that is actually a problem like capitalism. Yeah, or you can even get um I really fucking love Midnight Mass. I don't know that one. Uh it's a little vampire series, you can see it on Netflix, but it's like set on a small uh little island and the main protagonist is a sheriff, but he's a Muslim guy. So it's like him and his son and they transfer to this town 
that has a lot of Christian zealotry and the vampirism comes from the church. So it's kind of like a flip reverse of yeah. what we normally would, what we've seen traditionally in vampire media. And it's like the worst bitch in it is this fucking Karen that's just like, I believe in God and I run the church. and da, da, da. Very like Stephen King kind of a character. Mm. <laughs> but she's a fucking bitch. I hate her so much. They tend to be. Yeah. But you know, there's, there's ways you can take these stories and tropes and turn them into a more positive or helpful... Uh, punch up. Punch up. Punch up. Punch up always. Always punch up. Yeah. I, I was also going to say another thing you could do is t- take some of these tropes and use them for more heroic or positive characters. I think a good example is for anyone who's played the Portal series, like mm-hmm. Doug Ratman. Mm-hmm. is a character who is kind of a metatextual character. He's only ever hinted at in the games and in like very little Easter eggs, but there's like a whole comic book you can look up and videos that talk about it. Um, but he he falls into a lot of these stereotypes. Like he's he's always sneaking around. He's got like kind of a hunchback, very mouse rat-like. Like a lot of these nego stereotypes you could apply towards him Mm -hmm. but he's like maybe the whole reason that your character is able to escape and wake up in the first place like Mm -hmm. there's a very interesting meta story there that i'm not going to ruin for other people but like even something like that where you can Mm -hmm. take these tropes and maybe give them a more positive spin right or uh, i i appreciated some of the uh changes in the meta plot in vampire uh i might get into some of those more when we get to the specific clans about the Ooh, yeah, some of the historical uh, tropage for vampires combined with this clan makes a big oof. And I'm glad we are changing things. Good job, team. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, having... And I'm not saying don't engage with tropes. It's just engage with tropes responsibly, I guess, is the best. But punch up. Yeah, punch yeah, up. Punch, punch up. up. Like, if I can, uh, a very popular character, uh, Jasper from L.A. by Night. Yeah. Just one of the most Nosferati Nosferatus as Nosferatid. <laughs> But he is constantly just doing the hero thing, despite how much he doesn't fucking like it. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, God damn it. Just, oh God, I saw a really good video recently where it's just him being like, Annabelle, stop running into danger. Jasper immediately jumps into danger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you could, you could do characters like this, but aren't, you know, rubbing hands and, you know, being a fucking bastard man and perpetuating uh, problematic uh, stereotypes of people that aren't actually doing the thing. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> that's the first part of uh, squicky vampire uh, symbolism in Western vampire media. There's vampires a- are gross. They're yeah. cool, though. They can be cool. Uh, there's. I had tried. I had originally planned on covering a lot more of this topic specifically in this episode, but it's too fucking dense. It's too much shit. So I will probably, as we continue on as a podcast, do another deep dive into like the queer politics of vampire symbolism or. Uh, gender politics or religion and uh more economics as opposed to uh uh ethnocentric so you know hooray yeah and i mean we also just talked about like sorry that was on mic um we also just talked about four books in a movie that uh could probably also have a whole media analysis episode Mm -hmm. and talk about how you can put them in your game i mean what would you do if uh some of these characters just walked in how would you handle them what what is the message of these books originally like they we we talked about them quickly but i think at least nosferatu and dracula are foundational in the writing of world of darkness enough to be 
literally the movie Nosferatu gets cited as the inspiration for the clan Nosferatu. Makes sense. And it, like literally in the text of the book. And that's partially why I wanted to be like, okay, can we take a pause before we get into the Nosferatu and be like, hey, there is some uh, squick issues within this that just need to be addressed. I'm not saying don't do it. I love Nosferatu's clan. I love playing Nosferatu's. Don't accidentally do a Harry Potter goblin <laughs> at your table. Please don't. Please don't do that. Yeah, there's there's a lot of that in some of these old books. And I mean, I think even for the time they were written, they were like progressive and moving in the right direction. But we just need to continue to moving forward. Um, and everyone makes missteps. But, you know... Just us going and pointing them out hopefully can help you avoid maybe missing some of these small details that are that are steps and steps and steps away from like, you know, your vampire V5 core book and um, the rumors of blood libel in Spain are hundreds of years apart. So it's a little like, easy to yeah. trip over a, lot, a hundreds of years old line you might not see in the sand. So yeah, it's like, yeah, and unfortunately, there's just a lot of fucked up uh thoughts and media that we as a culture need to uh digest or break down and be aware of like hey these things are problems i'm not saying don't engage with them just engage with them responsibly uh yeah because there's oh my god <laughs> yeah because i i could go on and do separate episodes about just like black vampires specifically we can do stuff about um i had one where i've talked about the uh I, part of a another college paper I wrote was the changing in vampire symbolism over the 20th century because there is a radical transformation from where we are with uh, the the 2020 or 1922 Nosferatu to Dracula 2000. Yeah. Yeah. Or uh, oh God, what was the Dr Dracula Untold? That was the movie I was thinking of. That's a crazy. One. That movie's crazy. Yeah. It's there's there's a straight line from these things into like what we do in the shadows, vampires, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I don't know if people would be interested in us continuing to talk about that in the future or not. Please let me know. Uh, yeah I, I i think we're to the point in the show as i know we're kind of getting the wrap up here but mm -hmm. um we talked about this a little in the past couple episodes and we are going to continue doing the clan deep dives and maybe when you finish those we've talked about maybe doing werewolf tribes or you know we want to keep doing lore and talking about world of darkness specifically but we want to cover other things too so anything we've mentioned here if that's interesting like i did the two series on snuff sarah's done this and like the episode on basically what is anarchy, like mm -hmm. <laughs> things that you are like co surprisingly core to this game or unsurprisingly core to this game that aren't actually talking about like what the writers of this game wrote. Something that's not just us reading the books back to you. If anything like that is of interest, please let us know because we I think these are the most fun episodes to do and to make. Hell yeah. I don't know. I just like being a good neighbor and telling cool stories with my friends. Mm -hmm. sometimes that involves a little extra work and that's okay <laughs> so yeah. hurrah hopefully i didn't bum you out too much skipper i know this was a heavier episode but no, i'm always worried that when i do the deep dive or when i do deep dive episodes that aren't like us just talking about the lore specifically i'm always just like here i come in with my big nerd glasses to talk about feelings yeah i'm just honestly surprised your nose ne your nose has never broken <laughs> Because those nerd glasses are so fucking big. <laughs> <laughs> Look, with great power comes great responsibility. Um, no, I, I think these are fun. Um, yeah, they're neat. Okay, cool. 
Because, I mean, at this point, just in the research, I've read so much of, mm-hmm. like, the core V5 book so many times. It's like, when we get to talk about other stuff, it is making it a little more fun for yeah, me. Well, but was... And I don't have a problem talking about that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, but... Yeah, well, it's part of the reason why, like, I enjoy reading the fluff, especially in the V5 books, because uh, you can see the threads from the previous editions into now, and you can kind of take those threads and go, okay, well, if I have this bit of fluff here from these books and then i have this understanding of this like cultural note or trope over here i can slam these together and do something cool for my friends or as a character creation Mm -hmm. because yeah i also understand that there's a lot of tabletop players like myself that have a lot of i guess i'm gonna call it a critical role burnout um you literally were laughing (laughs) because i was blocking people on twitter because Mm -hmm. i they kept sending me notifications about something critical role was doing and i care so little i was just blocking every single one i just you were so blase about it you're just like i don't give a fuck that's what (laughs) was funny but yeah no it's just a there's i've been playing tabletop games for about 15 years and while i enjoy my silly tropes of like playing a bard or a cleric or in world of darkness playing your edgy guy in a trench coat those are fun they have their places for it but like i'm super burnt out on that and I would like to get into stories that are have a little bit more depth to them. And I am hoping that we can provide a platform for people to take these and then run with them at their own table. Yeah. Hopefully. Hooray. <laughs> yeah, especially with episodes like this, I would definitely suggest uh, to do some extra reading if you really want to center an episode on something like this. Maybe actually read some of the things that Sarah cited. Um, yeah, the the essays that I cited, most of those aren't free, but the books and the film that we covered are all in the public domain, so you can just get those. And all those YouTube videos. Yeah, the YouTube videos you can just watch. Um, I will post in the Patreon Discord the PDF for The Black Vampire, because it's, honestly, it's very entertaining. It is written in the 1800s, so there's a little language issues, but, you know understanding it in its historical context i think is important and you don't have to read it aloud yeah we're i mean we're we're a place in society where we're still trying to figure out how to handle reading those books in classes i I, I still don't think anyone's got a good answer for it so like no it's not but also you know trying to explore and share media that isn't you know the the basic hegemony of like well of course you read dracula and you read Anne rice you've read all of maybe salem's lot and you've read all the vampire books and i'm just like no there's tons of shit there's loads of things some of it can be funny, guys. It's okay. Yes. Comedy can't exist. I would, this might piss some people off mm. right at the end of the hot take, I would even argue that those three aren't even really actually in the top five, top ten of best vampire media, if you're really going to dive into it. I wouldn't disagree, but I can understand why people would be upset. Yeah, I, specific, I, I specifically don't like Stephen King, mm-hmm. but... Uh, <laughs> That's okay. Um, Dracula basically stole most of its content from previous books like we talked about, though it is a really interesting book. And um, Anne Rice, well, there's a lot of issues we don't need to get into today, that like suing her own episode. fans. But um... <laughs> uh, maybe at some point we can watch the new uh, interview with the vampire and talk about that. Yeah. I still haven't watched that. Me neither. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Paralyzed. <laughs> Uh, go check out um, Hal's new band, World I Hate. Hell yeah. Is it all on Bandcamp right now? I believe so. I think they Hell finally yeah. dropped it. Sick. I'm a little out. It's been a busy week, but I think that came out now. Sick. There's there's definitely some preview songs up if the whole release isn't out. Right on. Well, we do exist on the social medias on Twitter for now at Blank Bodies. 
blank underscore bodies. Um, yes, that's, that's what the the script in front of you says. Yes, the, my screen turned off. I was, oh, I was trying to segue to you smoothly, and it just did not happen. I wasn't gonna allow that. Damn it! I can't give you that. Uh, but yes, blank underscore bodies. We have an Instagram at blank bodies pod. That is also the name of the Tumblr. Um, and then we have a TikTok at blank bodies podcast. I'm going to actually get back into that at starting in June. <laughs> My life being on fire, I thought was going to be a couple of weeks and turned into hell month and then her- turned into hell quarter. So I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> yeah. We- I've... Hot recalibration <sighs> summer. Hot goth recalibration summer. Mm. Speaking of that, we have Patreon. If you want to give us money, that's cool. Don't feel obligated to. Those of you who give us money, hot goth calibration summer. <laughs> um, I would definitely especially like to give a big thank you to everyone who supports us. Um, it's super cool that we've gotten even to where we are. We're halfway. They took away our goals page. Um, really? On, so you can't have goals on Patreon anymore, but you can just put them in your about section. So it's not that bad. There's just not a separate goals section on the page anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but our first goal is to get $500, which it, we become a weekly podcast. Um, and so that's really cool that we've gotten. It's probably going to be more deep dives, guys. <laughs> yeah, Yeehaw! more deep dives. I might do some more strange genre explorations that I love doing that and urban legends and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys might get a random rant from me about something. We might. If I'm trying to teach. You definitely will with Corn Tub. We're, we're working on we're working a project to get him to learn how to write scripts. So. Yeah. We're, we're getting I don't there. write scripts. I rant. Yeah. We can figure out a way to turn that into text, though. We have the power. Okay, yeah. Google. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We've had text to speech since I was in high school. We'll get you one of those, what do they call it, like the dragon mm-hmm. programs where oh, you just put yeah. the big headset on and you can just sit down and talk. And then once you hit two pages, just hand it to us and we'll edit it for you. <gasps> there we go. Deal. We solved the problem. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah we have uh tiers on the patreon that you can get little discord titles uh discord is open to the community we also have some patreon exclusive chunks where we ask for input on the show and running of the discord mm-hmm. and sometimes people just do have fun conversations in there yeah and many then, times fun yes conversations and then we also have options for me doing illustrations for you guys if you pay at certain tiers that's $25. Yes. Uh, there's the blood tier where you get a goodie bag of stuff. Uh, don't donate that kind of money unless you have it. It might be filled with blood. There might be blood. There's probably not blood. There will be blood. I never saw that movie. It's actually pretty, pretty good. Sure I saw that movie. Is that the one with the quote about the milkshake? Yes. And it bringing boys to the yard? It do bring boys to the yard. Mm. Oh, maybe I should watch that. You should. Yeah, yeah. You are a boy and you do have a yard. <laughs> Thousand dollar corn tub. Yeah, thousand. <laughs> I I I'm thinking about uh, documenting the entire process if we get there of having to order and assemble. No, a we are doing the document. Corn. We are doing hot corn tub. <laughs> we are gonna do corn tub docu series. Maybe think? not a series. Maybe documentary. I think it would be a one and done one documentary and done. unless okay. we have to build multiple. For some reason, oh, but that's going to take... Every $1,000, we get a new corn tub. No. <laughs> we could do three. <laughs> we would be losing money. Technically, on the one, we would lose money at first. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the, the, the... Get us to $3,000 a month, we'll get three corn tubs, kids. My God. <laughs> we'll record this goddamn podcast out of tubs with corn. Uh, will we load the corn tub documentary onto Pornhub or? I put it on YouTube and YouTube? Pornhub. Hell yeah. yeah. Maybe, I, I think the only difference is the Pornhub one might have a couple more b-hole shots, but otherwise it'd be the same. <laughs> We're going to let you guys decide which hole. Well, it's the barbecue Who's... hole. It's where we keep the barbecue sauce. Oh, the yeah, that's fair. 
That'll be a custom uh, We also have an interview series where we've talked to people that do uh, art and gaming, and uh, we have potentially some interviews that we're trying to work towards uh, with other people involved in the community. If you have a cool project you want to share, if whether it is goth or horror or World of Darkness or just kind of alt. Yeah. I've yeah. got I've been talking to a couple people about doing some interviews um just based on their schedule. Mm-hmm. But uh might have some cool ones coming up and if you want to be one of those cool ones, feel free to email us. We have an email at blinkbodies at gmail.com. Um I wish you can contact me and say, Hey, I want to talk to you. Especially if you're a real vampire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if it's a real vampire then you might get hunter and skipper. Oh I'll totally be there. Yeah. I'm in. In the corn tub, a thousand dollars. I'll be in no, that corn tub. Yeah, see, there you go. That's you got to know how much you're worth. Yeah, and you're worth at least a thousand dollars. Thousand dollars. Yeah. I'm glad that we can pimp you out. <laughs> like it's great. Look, my muscles are sore a lot. A hot tub might help that. That would. I love corn. I'm not. I don't see myself as getting pimped out. I see myself as making a career choice mm-hmm. to be treated to corn and muscle relaxants. Exactly. And if you know, and then I am paid for that. I like corn. I like muscle relaxing. Good hot tub on, <laughs> a, gotta, on a cool. We gotta end day. the show. We gotta end the show, guys. Well, then you'll be able to see my lips go. Goodbye. Yeah, see you. (laughs) You already got one. Bye.